tonight's talk is named Warn and Awaken My People. These are words that our Lord spoke to love crucified as part of who we are and the mission given to us. And we'll start with the first part tonight. We're going to begin with St. Paul to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 1 through 8. It says, it is actually reported that there is immorality among you and of a kind that is not found even among pagans. For a man is living with his father's wife and you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. For though absent in body, I am present in spirit. And as if present, I have already pronounced judgment in the name of the Lord Jesus on the man who has done such a thing. When you are assembled and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Paschal Lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us, therefore, celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Well, there is a lot here to learn from the life of St. Paul and the Christian community. And there's also a lot here as we go deep into this scripture for us, but for also to understand what is happening in our church. To come to understand what is happening in the hearts of our bishops and many of our priests who during such a crucial time have been silent and not leading the church. I want to focus first 
tonight on St. Paul's reprimand to the Christian community. St. Paul admonishes the Christians in Corinth because they are acting from the spirit of criticism, which St. Paul calls arrogant, boasting, and the leaven of malice and evil. St. Paul sees the impurity of their intentions. They are condemning and judging the sinner, the man that is part of their Christian community, without profound mourning of heart for the death of the soul of their brother because they lack love. And the key words I want us to focus on right now from St. Paul is verse 2 when St. Paul says these few words. Ought you not rather to mourn? This I find more and more is at the heart and the key of this entire teaching in this episode in the life of St. Paul. Ought you not rather to mourn? This is associated with the groans in our path. St. Paul is able to reprimand and judge his brother in community because St. Paul mourns profoundly. He lives the groans of the pain and the sorrow in Christ for the condition of his brother. And now I have, there's two parts in the path, number 77 and 78, where Jesus goes deep into the groans. But this part of the teaching tonight is going to be shared with us by Daniel. The Lord has asked me to share a little bit. We were sharing last week when she was here. And she asked me to share a little bit about that. And I'd like to tie this in specifically this, this topic of the groans, specifically on the series that Lourdes and Father gave when it's at the beginning of the pandemic. I think it was called the, the Sword of the Spirit. Because there was a, the day I remember listening to some of those talks, there was a reading in the scriptures of the mass that has stuck with me since then. And I remember I wrote it down here. It's Romans 8, 26. And it says this. In the same way, the spirit too comes to the aid of our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought. But the spirit itself intercedes when, with inexpressible groanings. 
during during this whole time of the pandemic, I've just like you have been observing a lot of of weakness on the side of the church, a certain unhealthy silence. And it not only in the church, but you could say a certain silence and a roll rolling over of the the silent majority, for example, in our in our country before this oppressive force that we you know many of us call the one world order tyranny in my case it's very very easy to be kind of critical judgmental about the inactions of of the clergy the the hierarchy i know in my case i i was talking to maria we were really upset with our local parish for we would say they're they're totally missing an action in this in this time Watching the news these months, I have been emboldened to see there is there is a, a voice, a John the Baptist out there willing to call out the evils. They're few and in between, but there are some. And in my heart, I, I would find myself rejoicing and cheering these few voices, these few John the Baptists. And yet every time I would go to pray, I felt kind of move, you know, something was moving me to tell me. It's not your place, nor is it in your power to be that John the Baptist, which for those who know me is kind of oxymoronic because I love to be critical. I mean, it's very easy for me to slice and dice any situation and pull out the evils that are going on. I, I say this because I think the spirit was doing something in me during the pandemic. He He allowed me to to experience my own weakness there was a situation that arose where you know it became very clear to me of my inability to love in a particular relationship and i had fallen into lots of criticism suspicion lots of tension anyway the situation boiled over and i ended up landing in a big shakeup for for all of us involved and the shakeup for me was to see my own mediocrity my own inability to love in such a you know such a small thing and so in prayer it led me to see the very weakness that i'm seeing in the church in these times i see in myself this idea of being the sword of the spirit in these difficult times that the church should be I was, I myself, totally incapable of being this sword of the spirit. So what transpired out of that experience, that shakeup was this, I would say, just this profound experience of groaning in prayer. And I think we've all had the experience when you have a, a truly remarkable moment of self-knowledge, you enter a, a repentance that leads to a, a groaning of oneself. You know, repentance that leads to real tears. I think there's a, I think the dictionary defines groaning as like a deep inarticulate sound in response to pain, despair, or grief. And I think it's important that we, that I bring this up because in our community, we, we emphasize so much self-knowledge and we're talking here about groans. It's impossible to, to listen and be attentive to the groans of the Lord if we have never really experienced 
groaning for ourselves. A few weeks ago, to add to these groans, it was kind of weird. In one week, five names came to me of priests that I knew very well, worked with, lived with, who had left the priesthood. It's kind of a, a weird thing that all five of these names came to me in the same week. It doesn't happen often. And again, it brought me to the chapel with this profound experience of groaning. In the midst of me groaning for myself, my own weakness, here I am groaning for them. And I could easily relate to them. Maybe it's a little confusing. I'm trying to share things, but I think that God, that that passage from St. Paul is good in saying that the spirit groans with inexpressible groanings. Many times our groanings, we don't completely understand them. They're complicated. They're deep. There's a lot of things kind of feeding those groans. But they're real. If there's one thing we know, they're real. And so I found myself going to prayer often kind of complaining of that heartache of those groans. But there was a day where I kind of felt, you know, I need to stop complaining and stop kind of pushing them off and rejecting those groans, but just let them be. And I think that's where there was a light bulb that kind of flicked for me is I, I have to let the spirit grown within me the lord permits permitted my own experience of my weakness my own groans for a reason so that i could come to to groan with him i mean i think we can ask the very simple question isn't the holy spirit groaning intensely in the times that we're living in when when we talk about in the path the, the beauty of the path where our wounds touch the wounds of Christ and become one, that very same principle applies to groaning. Your own groans, when they can come in contact with the groans of Jesus, they become transformative. They become powerful. Now we, we like to use that, that, that little gesture with our hands, right? My groans, his groans, when they become one, a miracle happens. And I think this is exactly what the spirit has been doing in many of us during this COVID period. A lot of you have experienced a certain heartache, a certain concern for the things going on in the world. Have you realized, have you permitted to allow the spirit to groan in you? So I read, I read the, two, the two messages from the path that Lourdes was mentioning, 77. Can you hear my groans that come forth from the depth of my crucified heart? The groans of my agony of love. Listen to my groans of love. Number 78. To be one with me means that you become the living tabernacle of God. My loving, pulsating heart lives in you as one with you. You feel my sorrows and participate in my groans. 
for the fulfillment of humanity's transformation into love. I think it's important that we understand our mission, our identity in Love Crucified is precisely to groan with him. The enemy is going to attack that on all fronts. He's going to put doubt and guilt in your mind for your heartache, for the groans that you experience that you don't really understand. You might tell yourself that your heartache is a lie, that it's be, you're, you have heartache because you're not fervent or that you're far from God, etc. Or that maybe your heartache is just a sadness that's not correct. I think it's a good, it would be probably good to, to analyze your groanings, your heartache and spiritual accompaniment to see if the devil is not, you know, confusing you there. Because yes, there is kind of a darkness of the heart and soul that, that is our own fault from like asadia and, you know, various other laziness and, and prayer. But I really believe that we can easily write off our groans and our heartaches as being something bad when it's precisely the spirit that's wanting to groan in us. I say this as I'm trying to, to try to motivate you to, in your moments of weakness, pray with your groans, fight with your groans, give birth with your groans, and allow yourself to truly love with your groans. That's exactly what Daniel was expressing, the groans, is what St. Paul is telling us when he says, ought you not rather to mourn? In order for that Christian community to love their brother that had fallen into deep sin, they had to first and foremost be able to mourn the condition of his heart. What Daniel just said, he said many important things, but I'd like to highlight something he said that's important. For us to truly be able to mourn the sin, oppression, and hardness of the hearts of others, we have to be able to mourn our own darkened condition. And that is true repentance. When we come to know our sin patterns, when our disordered tendencies, our falsehood comes to the light of our conscience, we have to enter in Christ the mourning, that's true repentance. That act of the Holy Spirit with our cooperation opens our hearts to enter the mourning for our brothers and sisters when we see their sin, when we see their oppression. This past week, when I was in Georgia, I watched for the second time one of the episodes of The Chosen. 
The Chosen has been a series in the United States of the life of Christ. And it's been, it's really amazing. And in this particular episode, it was the sixth or the seventh, is when Jesus is in a house and he is teaching a large group of people. And this was the episode where they bring the man that can't walk from the ceiling into the house. And at the window of the house come the Pharisees. And one of the Pharisees begins to challenge Jesus, telling them, what authority are you doing this? And what struck me the most was the gaze of the actor playing Jesus. It was like he was able to capture the gaze of the Lord at that moment. And he just looked at him. But it is the gaze of Jesus's eyes that he looks at that Pharisee, not with hatred, not with resentment, not with anger, not with disgust, but with pain and sorrow. The gaze of Jesus reveals the groans of his heart for the hardened condition of our hearts. Now it's interesting because in the gospels, in the life of Jesus, I was today reflecting on chapter 23 of Matthew in verses 13 through 36, all of those verses, he is condemning the Pharisees. Nonstop, just like St. Paul is doing to the Christians in Corinth and to the man that fell into sin of the impurity with his father's wife. Jesus calls the Pharisees to their face, hypocrite, six times. He also calls them blind guides, whitewashed tombs, dead men's bones. He's not being a nice guy, which our path tells us. We could easily hear some of our priests and some that are speaking the truth about our leaders in the church and world saying some pretty strong things and say, oh, but that's not correct. But wait a minute. Jesus did this. And so did St. Paul. But why? Why is the sword of the spirit, Jesus Christ, 
able when it's needed because of love come down so strong with sincerity and truth because their hearts are pure because they are full of love Jesus Christ and St. Paul could reprimand souls because first and foremost, they lived interiorly the groans of the martyrdom of the heart. And those groans of love, when the spirit said, and move their hearts because of love, they were able to speak with transparency, sincerity, and truth, the sin and the darkness of their brothers and sisters. The Lord says to us, participate in my groans, my brothers and sisters, if we're going to be able to warn and shake up the men and women in our lives, even speak the truth in a very strong way if the, God, if the Lord moves us to priests and bishops, first and foremost, we have to live and live well the interior groans of the heart. Because like Daniel said to me, only in that way the sword of the spirit can move through us to pierce the hearts of others as St. Paul did with his community. Because it is only love spoken at times strongly can pierce the hearts. If we try to speak the truth and condemn the evil and darkness in the hearts of some of our bishops and priests or in the hearts of some of our family members in resentment, in hatred, in anger, in frustration, we failed. Satan won because what came from us was not pure love. And that is why for years, for many of us, we have been trained and helped one another in years of accompaniment to enter more and more deeply those groans because those groans transform us into love and bring life. St. Paul witnesses a restored manhood in Christ moved by the spirit of love. He admonishes also the sinner severely. Strong words like Jesus's to the Pharisees. He says, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Those are powerful, strong words that most of us would think, whoa, boy, that's not very nice. Isn't that a little harsh? yet it was needed 
He excommunicates the man from their community. That severe punishment was in order to humiliate the man, to bring about the taming and eradication of his lust so that his spirit could be saved. Listen carefully, this community. It was a discipline to awaken carried out in deep sorrow for one who has died. A discipline to shaken that comes from a deep sorrow within the heart to save the soul of the other person. That is true discipline. That is the discipline that a father and mother knows. That is the discipline of a true father that St. Paul was to his community. And that Jesus is and was to the people he came across his people. St. Paul acts with the authority of the Holy Spirit knowing that this sin is rooted in the sexual disorders that were common among the pagans of that culture. If this bad weed spread through the new Christian community in Corinth, it would destroy them. St. Paul acts in truth, which is mentioned by William Barclay in his Bible commentary. He says, Discipline has to be exercised for the sake of the church. To shut our eyes to the offense is not always a kind thing to do. It may be damaging. That is exactly what has taken place for a very long time in the church. A lot we have closed our eyes to and strong talk that comes from the groans of the heart has not been brought forth to shaken souls. So I ask you, my community, to go deep into to entering these words, these scriptures from 1 Corinthians, and to go to your path on page 225, I think it was, and really enter profoundly the section of the groans. Have you come to live in the groans? I would say that what I have learned after many years of struggling to live in these groans is that more and more our Blessed Mother is showing me that before I speak to anybody and bring to light any darkness that God calls me to bring into their hearts, I must first and foremost enter a deep silence and suffer the groans of the disorders I see in others purifying any resentment, any frustration, 
but more and more living the pain, the pure pain, the groans with Christ, through Christ, in Christ, before I ever open my mouth to say anything. And in that way, when I am ready, if the spirit asks me to be transparent and open and vulnerable and expose myself, it can come out with the love of Jesus Christ through the groans. Amen.